You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hobson. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to episode 117 of Sticks in the Six here once again with Peter Barracchini. I am Andrew Forbes. Um, Alex Hobson on the shelf on the IR after a nice little spill uh, <laughs> spill yesterday outside it's gone on viral. the ice. <laughs> it's gone viral. Thank, <laughs> thank, big shout out to Dougie Gilmore for that one. But oh, yeah. Um, lots to talk about uh, with the Leafs, with hockey, uh, just in general. Um, lots to talk about with the podcast. We've got some big news as well. Yes. Um, but before we get into all of that, Peter, another week has gone by. How you doing, my friend? Doing great. And we were talking off uh, the air before we got on. What was the last time we did a Sunday morning podcast? This was like the first, like, you know, when we were starting off throwback where it was like episode one, two, three, four to like episode 10, 20, where we were doing this in the morning. A little and season, it's like, season one throwback. Yeah, it's like it's like very nostalgic right now. I'm like, man, it's been that long. But yeah, yeah doing good. Can't complain, man. How, how about you? I've, you know, it's been a, it's been a busy week. It's been a busy week, but it's been a fun week. Uh, got, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you saw it on my socials, but got Oak on the ice for the first time. And yeah, I was a little, was a little nervous. Cause you know, I've been asking him, do you want to play hockey? And he's been saying no. And then, uh, got him some skates and a helmet. We got him out on the ice and, uh, he didn't want to get off. So that was, I mean, yeah. that was perfect. He did. He did have a few spills, which he wasn't too pleased with. But little I mean, note on that: if your kid says no, it means yes. Because my parents are trying to get me into hockey for the longest time, and I kept saying no, no, mm-hmm. no. And then at one point, they just said, "You know what? Fine." And then at one point, I said I wanted to start skating. Boom, got into hockey right away. So yeah. if they say no right away, yeah, you obviously you want to do what's comfortable for the kid, but based on past experience if they say no it means yes kind of thing oh no absolutely and that's you know what that's the thing is that uh when we took him at first he didn't want to go to a hockey game we took him to the nights here in london he loved that experience um and then like i said got him on the ice and he like he didn't even want me to carry him he wanted to have his feet on the ice which was the best part so um yeah i know it was was a good week and and like i said getting him on and um Got my got my game use Spezza stick finally. Yeah, uh, sitting up on the on the wall <laughs> behind me. I, you won't be able to see it in, in my picture here, but we'll get it on there at some point. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a hell of a week and uh, lots to talk about. Like I said, with the with the hockey before, but before we get into the Leafs, little bit of uh, league wide news. Obviously, uh, earlier this week we saw Tony D'Angelo with the little nut spear on uh cory perry maybe not the right guy to do it to either but um considering how many guys or the whole entire team jumped in after that and no 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 flyers no flyer that is the dumbest thing that anybody could do especially against the tampa bay lightning well you know if if perry's on the ice likely pat maroon's on the ice yeah so um yeah not the smartest move um Mm -hmm. You know, big, big kind of wuss move. Like you standing on the outside of the out of the pack, and then just you know shoves a stick in, and um, yeah, I mean it just kind of fits into the whole the whole uh, narrative behind Tony D'Angelo. But uh, I I wanted to get your thought on the fact that no Flyers did really jump in, aside from maybe trying to pull some Lightning players off of them. But it was like a five on one like attack afterwards. 
Yeah, it uh, kind of feels like, uh, what was it, that situation between Muzzin and Kachuk and Kachuk in the bubble where, you know, Kachuk goes off and hardly any of his teammates come to his defense kind of thing. It kind of reminds me of that, but obviously a little bit more severe with the spear. And it's just a gutless, classless, like, move when to a player that's unsuspecting it, you get in there and you go uh, and then you go and do that. I don't know, uh, like, I can't remember what his post-game comments were, but I was just laughing and dying at D'Angelo's comments. He's just like, oh, I'm ready to throw down, I'm ready to fight, yet you go ahead and do a, you know, a, a like, gong show type of move like that when, you know, you're basically outside the scrum, you throw your stick in there, and honestly, it's a cheap shot. There's no other way to put it. Um I could go on a long, t- like, expletive tyrant on this whole entire thing, but I'm like kind of like the moral comp- moral compass of the show where I don't yeah, I swear a say. lot, <laughs> but um, it, it's just absolutely sickening. Like we all we all know his history. We all know how much of a how clown much show. clown show. How much this guy turtles at the site where he could dish it out, but he can't take it. And in this instance, where he had the full team come after him good on the lightning because i would do the exact same thing and maybe the flyers knew that they probably had enough of his antics and his stupidity too so whatever uh just done with that but yeah he said he's like oh i'm ready to fight I'm, i don't back away from anything yet you totally backed away and you were skating away after you did said incident that got you suspended what he does and what he says makes no sense to me i'm i'm on the i'm like i would have loved to be a fly on the wall with torts afterwards and hearing what he had to say to tony d'angelo Oh, he probably um, would have said, uh, you know, good job kind of thing. Yeah. Torres probably, probably seems like the kind of guy who would do that. You know what, though? Like, I don't I don't fully agree with all of his takes. Like, I didn't I didn't love his take on the Zegris, uh, Zegris play last yeah. season. Um, but I feel like Torts does have some integrity when it comes to the game. Yeah, I and guess. for me, like, a spear, I think, like, he just looks at – he probably look at it as a gutless play as well because I, I'm sure – like, I'm sure there's been a time where his one of his players was speared, and I'm sure he's come out yeah. and, and spoke out against it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just – I feel like it's so telling when you see that no no player on your team came to your defense. They waited until you had five guys on top of you, and then they came in and, and pulled those five guys off. and Kind of, like, diffused attention kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But um, – it, it just it, it sets this tone that Tony D'Angelo is very much like a you know one of those those old school coaches like the Ken Hitchcocks where you get a year or two with them and very quickly the team stops responding to them. Yeah, and we've seen it over his career that Tony D'Angelo is very much like that, just in a player form mm-hmm. where you get a year out of him, he has a good good solid offensive year in that second season. He starts to tail off. Well, in this case, it's the first season with with uh, with Philly. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just. At, at what point do you kind of say enough's enough? Like, how many chances do you give this guy? Two game suspension for for jabbing a guy in the groin? Like, I I don't know. I don't know. I just it it comes back to the whole discussion of uh, consistency within the league and consistency oh, yeah. and discipline and consistency with officiating for that matter, which we'll get into in a little bit, but you could go back on past episodes and see what we have to say about officiating and consistency from the department of player safety. So yeah, yeah, it's like these ideas are <laughs> recycled and reused constantly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Broken record here. Right. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I don't know. I just, the way I looked at it, I, I watched it a couple times. I obviously I didn't like the spear, but 
I just, the response was what kind of triggered me to watch it again and again and see like, Hey, like these guys are actually just standing around waiting for something to happen. Like they're just, they're not, they're not going to come to his defense. Nobody came to his defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it's uh, like I said, the discussion needs to be how many times do you want to give this guy an opportunity to, to change, change the perspective of who he is. Uh, I, I think at a certain point, you got to just kind of say, you know what? Some people just don't have the willingness to change and leave it at that. But um, I just want to say that's a, there is a comment from Torts. That's the line you walk as far as going to the edge. I want him to have personality, to have competitiveness as a complete guy, as a complete of the guys. I did sit. I wish that would rub off on them. Again, I haven't seen it, but I think he may have crossed the line judging from what other guys have said. So, so, very, so he does very... have, so he did, so he did say that, but uh, you're on the bench. How do you not see that? Come on. Well, it's, it's a very political answer, right? Like, Hey, yeah. here's a guy who's known for throwing his players under the bus. And at, at this point in time, I'm not ready to throw him under the bus, but I'm going to give him shit when he comes back to the room and mm-hmm. say, man, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Right. No, 100%. I think that's, the discussion behind closed doors was probably very different than what we saw in the media, but very Again, much, it's yeah. it's torts. He's very outspoken, so I'm sure, like, if he had something to say about it, yeah. he would have. Um, but on 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 that subject, I mean, this kind of ties back in with the uh, with the Philadelphia Flyers, of course, with the Ivan Provorov and the whole Pride Night uh, debacle, which then triggered multiple other NHL teams to not wear their Pride jerseys whatsoever. Uh, Connor Murphy came out and said that uh, he would like to see all of his teammates wear the Pride jersey for the Chicago Blackhawks. And I want to get your take on that because with the tension that has obviously been around the league regarding this, uh, this particular celebration of, of people um, we've seen a lot of teams kind of take that step back and say, it means something to us, but we are not going to wear the jerseys. Now here's something, but, but it doesn't mean something basically hypocritically um, defining what their pride night is all about. Now you've got the Blackhawks and you have a player who's come out and spoken out about it and, and flat out said my teammates and, and Connor Murphy is, is a veteran player. Like he's not, he's not a young guy, Mm -hmm. but he's come out and said, this is what I want to see in our room. And with that team kind of where they are at with leadership, to me, this is one of the most leader like moves for a player to come out and say, you know what? Like, and I was thinking about it and I said, like, some of these players have family members who are part of that community, yeah. who are part of that um, that group of people that are consistently undervalued um, in society. And for him, like, I mean, I'm not saying that he has a family member that is in that in that community, but at the same time there are players that have that. So when a player like Provorov decides not, not to wear the pride Jersey based on religious views or what, what have you, or an entire team decides not to wear their pride jerseys. What does that say to a player that has a family member that might be within that community? Or what does it say to a player that is part of that community that might not have come out like a guy like Luke Prokop, who obviously we know his story and, and creating, creating acceptance within the, within a game that has consistently been for, you know, the white straight male, which is not right. It's disappointing. 
it really is because of the fact that, you know, it, 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 all, it all stemmed from one player not wearing it. And then it's a trickle down effect where if one player's not wearing it, okay, well then we'll just, we'll just scrap it all in general. That is the dumbest and laziest cop-out excuse that you could come up with because you say that you're an ally, but you're truly an ally if you wear those colors of the, of the flag for the LGBTQ plus uh, two plus community. Sorry where you feel like they deserve to have a place in hockey. They, we deserve, they deserve to be a fan. They deserve to enjoy the game and that we should have, that they should have our support. And that's huge. And big on Connor Murphy for doing so, because that is a great leader or veteran move to do, because what we're seeing right now, is shows that the NHL still doesn't quite get it. And NHL teams don't quite get it. Um, Kind of like what we said about, like we, we alluded to before, you say you're an ally, but you're not an ally because mm-hmm. you're not showing your support. And it's like, what I don't get is before this whole talk about the whole LGBT, the wearing of the pride color jersey during warm up thing came out, teams have worn this many times before. Why, why right now are you coming out saying that, oh, it goes against my views and everything like that? No, I, I don't buy it. I do not buy it that it goes against someone's views because of the fact that this is someone's life we're talking about. This is someone who or a person who they're comfortable who they are, and you should respect that. What is the one thing that religion tells you about? And we said this before, it teaches you about respect for one another. And if you don't show respect for one another, you're going against your own religious values and beliefs right there. Mm -hmm. That for me is just the... again it is troubling and it is concerning but now you have more and more players still showing their support you're having players like luke pro cup come out we're hearing his story there's also a new um initiative called alphabet sports collective where it's a queer-led nfp organization to create a safe environment for people of all sexual identities and that is great we need more of this and we saw i believe there was a an event with brock mcgillis pierre lebron and a bunch of other media personalities and i think ryan o'reilly was there as well or a part of the initiative as well and that's what you want to see you want to give the this group and community a sense of voice and purpose that they belong here it doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is if you're a fan of the sport let them be a fan of the sport and you see the comments of like you know people on there it's just like oh yeah i'm glad they're doing this they're standing up for their own rights and not wearing the colors and it's just like no just stop just stop and i'm probably going to stop there before i say something i regret but that is just my whole take but you know what if you have an issue for wearing that pride jersey or the pride collar for 20 20 to 25 minutes for a pregame warm-up then the issue is you it really is. And you know what? I, I, to be honest, I think the NHL should go back if it's in their contract or it's, if it's in their team's contract because you don't see them not wearing, you know, military night or police night or any other night. They wear the jerseys for those. Why all of a sudden is this an issue right now again? So I think, you know what? Instead of wearing a jersey for just the pregame warm-up, I would love to see teams wear the jersey for the whole entire game. I think that I think that would send a much clearer and bigger message that we're not just doing this. We're doing this in support of you, but we're not just doing this for a specific amount of time. We're doing it for the full game. And we want to show you that you care and you matter. Yeah. And I, I am glad you brought up the military thing because my, the thing I thought about is like in the same instance where Provorov and I'm using Provorov as an example. I, I'm not it was the first to pick, one I started. Yeah. I'm not trying to pick on the guy, but 
you see him not wear the pride jersey at the same time when if you're wearing u.s military uh colors and right now with what's going on over in russia and ukraine Mm -hmm. how how does that fit into your religious beliefs or your narrative or 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 what you stand for because to me that's that's where the hypocrisy comes in about you know what i wear and and you know i'm putting it on for 15 seconds to go out for a skate and i'm not doesn't necessarily mean i'm standing up for it but i'm creating acceptance within the game and that's that's what the focus needs to be is that you're creating acceptance within the game you're allowing people Mm -hmm. to be who they are can you imagine if we were still like and i I don't think we're anywhere close to being where we need to be when it comes to acceptance within the game. No, no, we acceptance like within society, back. like three, five like, steps back. Absolutely. Um, but if you're, where would we be for a guy like Luke Prokop if that was not, not the discussion we were having today? Mm-hmm. If that was not a discussion, if we were still, you know, very blind to the fact that this is there's a lot of homophobia and there's a lot of sexism and there's a lot of a lot of a lot of political and and societal issues within the game and that's not just hockey that's overall any sport that's Mm -hmm. that's in the world right now there's a lot of a lot of uh socio-political issues um then those people do not feel accepted in in a in a community like the game of hockey Mm -hmm. and that's not okay and that's what you have to look at you can't say well yeah, I it I just don't stand up for it, so I, I'm I'm not gonna be a part of it. Well, you know what? Then you are creating hate. Yeah. You are creating hate, regardless of what your beliefs are. Especially are with the platform hate. that you have. Absolutely. This is this is the opportunity for them to to be a spokesperson for communities that maybe have been silenced or quieted or or yeah. or you know you know what I, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's no no. It's you totally have a chance yeah. to to speak out for them and and with them. And again, like I saw I saw a t- uh, a video basically saying like, you know, we don't need. And it was it was it was from somebody from from the LG, LGBTQ community saying that, you know, we don't need him to wear a jersey to to feel accepted within the game. And sure, and yeah. I I. Completely understand that perspective Mm -hmm. as well. I I completely understand that perspective. You don't want to push it on somebody who clearly doesn't want to, you know, believe in whatever, you know, believe in in the acceptance of of that community. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, you want to further the acceptance worldwide. You don't want to continue to push this this narrative that it's not acceptable to be who you are. And I think that's where it's more like, the focus is I'm not sitting here as, as a straight man saying like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you need to push it on everybody to accept you. Yeah. Absolutely not. Because not everybody's going to accept me. Not everyone's yeah. going to accept you. Absolutely. Um, at the same time, you need to try and change the narrative within the game that saying that it is acceptable to be yourself. Yeah. And I think that's the problem is that right now within the game, there isn't as much acceptance as people believe there is. Mm-hmm. And even so, like you mentioned that, you know, if you, if you don't wear that jersey, it does show that negative connotation or the meaning behind that. At if you don't wear it, you're automatically not showing support for them, and then you automatically think that, or not automatically think, but it, it you get those people that share the same views that they don't like people wearing the pride flag or they don't show that respect. They're going to support that person. 
it is very huge if you do not come out and say a positive, meaningful message, or even just again that whole the whole mm-hmm. entire thing about Pride Night is to show unity and support. Mm-hmm. You don't wear it, you're not showing your support. Simple as that. But on top of that, it takes the it takes the the celebration away because that's become the story yeah. now, right? It, and that's that's the whole point of it. It's that mm-hmm. now you're changing this what the narrative is supposed to be. Yep. So, anyways, regardless, good for Connor Murphy. Um, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't create animosity within the room, as as we saw it happen with the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, some players came out and spoke about it afterwards, um, and it's certainly it's certainly an issue when it comes to leadership. And I think Connor Murphy did exactly what he needed to do yes. when it comes to that uh, that point as well. Um, we're gonna jump into the Maple Leafs talk in a second here, but before we do, I want to. Shout out the sports podcast group who uh, put together a yearly award show. Um, I like to refer to it as the Grammys of sports podcasting. Uh, we'll take what we can get. Yay. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, it, we decided to enter our show as a possible uh, nominee for the best hockey podcast through that uh, that particular group. The shortlist has come out Um and we made the shortlist of 11 podcasts, 11 hockey podcasts nominated for the best po- uh, best hockey uh, podcast out there right now. So we are on the shortlist. It is open for public voting. So if you do get a chance, go over to the sports podcast group and sign up, create an account, give us a vote. You only get one vote. Um, and obviously, as I mentioned, we would greatly appreciate it. We're up against some very tough competition. Um, I'm sure you saw some of the names, hockey night, New York Bruins beat our kids play hockey, Chicago Blackhawks, Marty's illegal stick locked on NHL, the blue crew Habs nightly puck and roll us. And then missing curfew, which Mm -hmm. for those who don't know, missing curfew is run by two former NHL players in Shane O'Brien and Scotty Upshaw. So to be alongside that competition is, is fantastic. So we're looking to become, you know, maybe, maybe jump into that best hockey <laughs> podcast. Uh, so it is open for public yes. voting. If you guys get a chance, please jump over and vote for sticks in the six. Never um, been nominated for a Grammy before, but this is probably the closest thing to that. So this is the closest, this is yeah. the closest we're going to get unless one of us starts singing. Well, I mean, Alex, I mean, Hey, you Alex, know, Alex, 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 Alex could go so, for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or, so, or even uh, the Junos for that matter. They're coming up, but also right. big shout out to former THW writer, Greg Boysen, who is part of that uh, CH yes. podcast as well. So again, like you said, best of luck to everybody, but it's great to see, you know, Greg, a former THW writer still have success later on and still going hard with this podcast and what he's doing over at that site. It's absolutely tremendous to see. So shout out to you, Greg. Yeah, and I would say too, Greg, nice, uh, nice studio you guys get to work in as well. So maybe Beautiful one day, studio. maybe one day, yeah. six and the six will have a nice studio as well. <laughs> but, uh, we're we're still working on that. Um, but yeah, before we before we jump into Leaf Talk, just a quick word from our wonderful sponsors over at the NDL House. Hockey is back, and with it, so are the Maple Leafs. Getting ready for a night out or watching the game at home with the gang. What better way to do it than with a nice cold one from the folks at the NDL House in Toronto? With two locations in in the city at Italy, Toronto, at Bay and Bloor, the Biroteca location. They have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food, and loads of beer. Also at OG Brew Pub in the junction at Keel and Dundas with 120 seats, famous bar food, and 12 taps. Indie Ale House is an award-winning brewery featuring their flagship Instigator IPA and dozens of rotating monthly special release beers. Perfect for takeout, dine-in, or bottle shop online orders 
when planning for game night. You can find in Instigator IPA and Marco Polo Pilsner at finer LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag live indie is the motto. Adventurous, fun-focused beers with a selection for everyone from healthy dose of in-your-face hoppy beers for the beer geeks to mainstream pilsners and easy drinking options. Indie Ale House is the go-to for game day. Visit www.indialehouse.com to place your order today. And as we close out that ad, I want to talk to you about what would be the perfect sticks in the six beer because it kind of put it out there um, that we'd love to get our logo on a can. Uh, I think it'd be great to try and sell some sticks in the six beer. And one comment came back with a, uh, a Czech style Pilsner um, kind of fits into the whole hockey talk, which would be fun to uh, fun to discuss. Uh, could it be a brand name or just overall? Just overall. Like, like overall? It, could, okay. it could be a, it could be a, you know, a, um, like a Hefeweizen, a German, a German Pilsner okay. or something like that. Um, shout out for the Czech Pilsner because I'm part Slovak and that actually sounds pretty damn great right right about now. Um, I don't know. I, I'm kind of like I'm kind of a lager guy myself. Yeah, like I'm, yeah. I'm a big I'm a big Moosehead guy. I also like obviously like I feel kind of bland saying the top beer brands but like I'm I'm big on lagers I would love to see a six and a six lager I think that would be great I wouldn't mind seeing a sticks and the six alt beer a little mm. little German throwback but um, there you go yeah I mean yeah hey we'd lo- like I said we'd love to see this the sticks and the six logo on a can at some <laughs> point and start selling some sticks and the six six packs um, but uh, we'll see we'll see how that goes um, funny, we're talking Sunday morning at uh, well ten forty-five about uh, what what kind of beer we'd like to never, have named after the show. Never too early for that, man. Never too early. It's <laughs> almost eleven o'clock, right? Exactly. It's eleven o'clock somewhere, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, anyways, Leaf Talk. Leafs are two and zero since uh, since O'Reilly went down with that broken mm-hmm. finger. Um, my understanding is he did have a little bit of a procedure done just to try and correct it. Um, yeah. The idea is that he's going to be out for four total weeks. He's been out for essentially a week now. Um, and uh, from there, it looks like he'll get about six games of regular season playback before he we go into the playoffs. What are your thoughts on the Leafs playing without O'Reilly? Um, and I just released a piece today for the hockey writers um, talking about the fact that it's time, not time to panic, that this is not the Nick Felino bad back you know, he's going to be out and we Mm -hmm. gave up a first round pick for him. This is a, he broke a finger, unfortunate accident, uh, something that can heal very well going in. And he's still going to be skating during that time as well. uh, Obviously with, you know, the finger not really affecting his skating. So your thoughts on the Leafs playing without O'Reilly right now, but also is this time for panic from Leafs nation? No, no. I, I'll start off with the second question. No. And I agree. It's not like it, it obviously shades of the Nick Foligno situation came back because of the whole situation with an injury or whatever, but it's two completely different injuries, like you said. And I think with Felino, it happened towards the tail end because it was that whole entire thing where he saw to miss a week because of quarantine. I think he got about three or four games in and then the injury happened after that and it led towards the end of the playoffs. This happened probably at the most ideal time. 
you don't want an injury to happen, but if you want to have it right now happen right now, because you still have those games leading into the playoffs that you can still get back into game shape and get ready for that for when playoffs start. So, um, but this is huge for the Maple Leafs and the fact that they've gone two and zero right now, especially in that game against, and I know I we have it as, you know, when for a boost, but I'm going to tie it into this one right now. That win showed a lot of, you know, motivation. Um, it showed them that they had the roster and the pieces to get by when things are looking down, that they could come back and have an impact. We saw how Sam Lafferty had a ma- major impact on that goal. We saw Michael Bunting chip in. Every In a situation like that where one of your key acquisitions or even your top six forward goes down, players need to step up. And we saw that big time. And I'm just going to say this right now, that Austin Matthews goal is just absolutely fantastic. You wanted somebody in a game-saving like moment, he's the guy that you want the puck on your stick. And excellent pass by Nylander to go through Bunting's uh, skates or through his legs onto Matthews' stick for that game-winning goal. Um, just absolutely fantastic. And it, it gives them... I want to. I, I. 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 I'm gonna probably have to go back to a tweet because I wrote about it or I commented how that game is a big, is a big boost of confidence and it should give them reassurance that no matter what situation that they're in, they have the ability to come back, fight hard, and get the win. Um, I'm just trying to find it right. Now. I know we're. Oh my god! Why is everything so slow? Um. I do think that it, it, I'm just trying to, uh, where is it? I'm, I'm hang on for one quick second until I find it. I mean, well, while you, while either way, yeah, 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 you go, you go. But I just want to say that with that, it should give them, again, the reassurance to prop to, uh, you know what? I'm probably just going to stop right there because I'm pretty sure the time change is affecting me right now. And my thought <laughs> process is just not there. So I'll let you take the floor on this one now. I was just going to say, well, uh, you know, while, while you're looking for that tweet, it, it's just the, the biggest thing for me is like the conversation right now around, around Austin Matthews is that he's having a down year. But I mean, you look at his stats, he just reached 30 goals last night against the, the yeah. Edmonton Oilers. He's at 64 points in 58 games. Like, and, and he's dealt with injury this year. Like, mm-hmm. and, and that to me is like, I don't understand just because there's guys like McDavid that are 120 points in whatever, how many games to me, that shows you that there's not as much um, depth within that organization. The Leafs right now have what? Six guys over the 20 goal mark. Yeah. Something like that. Six guys, I believe six or seven guys over the 20 goal mark. You have a guy in in Cali Yarncroke who's got fourteen goals on a on a two point one million dollar contract. Um, to five. me, like five, five players, guys. twenty plus goals. So, I mean, that that should tell you that right now the offense is being spread out. You're not going to have a guy who needs to go needs to go out there and score sixty. Yes, absolutely. Every Leaf fan would love to see Matthews go out there and score sixty goals, myself included. But if you have five guys with 20 goals and you know, you have a guy like all in your top six, all in your top six. And you still have a guy that like Matthews, who's putting up 30 plus goals in a year while dealing with injuries all year. The conversation shouldn't even being, shouldn't even be had. Um, It's just, it's, it's kind of like, 
you know, people looking for a talking point on how Matthews is not going to score 60 this year. Like, who the fuck cares? He's got 30 goals. He's got mm-hmm. 30 goals. And right now the team is going to be going into the playoffs and you've got scoring spread out through the entire lineup. So who cares if he scores 60? Like, yeah, he's won two Rocket Richards. He's not going to win a third in a row. Who cares? Mm-hmm. I, I just, the, to me, the talking point is 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 kind of a moot point. Um, in terms of the two and zero, the two and zero start without without O'Reilly, I think it's perfect. I think it's exactly what you needed. You need this team to kind of step up. You went out and made a big acquisition. You gave up a first round pick. Um, unfortunately, in doing so, you got a guy that you know goes out and blocks shots. And part of blocking shots is that you're gonna you're gonna get hurt. And you know, so be it. It's a broken finger. We saw we saw Nazem Kadri come back in the playoffs last year and play with a what was it, a broken hand, mm-hmm. and he ended up scoring a big goal that ended up helping Colorado win the cup. So I don't know. I, I to me, like I, I I love the fact that they get a chance to kind of look at a little bit more depth. I mean, I mentioned Alex Steves and I mentioned Pontus Holmberg as two players that I'd like to see get a little bit more consistent playing time. Um, Pontus Holberg, I think, came up and deserved every minute that he got. Uh, I believe he has 13 points in, in 38 games this year with the Leafs. Um, and then Alex Steves having an incredible year in the AHL, and he's only had three games up with the NHL club. So you've traded away some pieces in, in Engvall, um, and, and now you have you have an injury to a guy like uh, Ryan O'Reilly. It opens the door to some of these players to get an opportunity with the big club. And I think that's exactly what they need to do. They need to find what they have, what assets they have within the organization so they can figure out where they're going from here after, you know, whatever might happen in the playoffs, knowing damn well that you get Ryan O'Reilly back for the playoffs. Hopefully. Um, I think this was the perfect time. I mean, obviously no time is perfect for a player to get injured, but this is the perfect time to have a guy like Ryan O'Reilly go down with an injury that will only keep him out four weeks. Had it happened two weeks later, we're talking about a guy that's likely missing most of the first round. Yeah. So at this point in time, you know, like Sheldon Keefe said, they they acquired him to be healthy for the playoffs. That's exactly what they're going to do. That's and if timeline. you sit us up a couple guys down the stretch, right now to me, the Leafs are in a, in a position in the standings where they're not going up or down. They're going to be playing Tampa Bay in the first round. Get rested, get ready, and play play the first round series that you want so that you can move on past that first round it's your focus shouldn't be on like you know finishing out the regular season as as best you can i Mm -hmm. I think you need to find a way to get it done the first round and and making sure that everybody's healthy is is a main piece for that absolutely and i was able to find that tweet and the word i was looking for was resilient simple simple enough word but i couldn't figure that out it was sunday mornings exactly it was a resilient effort and knowing what happened at the start of that game where they were like, what, getting out shots 16 to 5 or 16 to 8, uh, considering the injuries that had happened, with the, you were down both Tavares and Ryan O'Reilly, so you were down two key players. It could have been a whole different outcome, and they could have allowed, they could have set, uh, sat back uh, when the Devils or when the Devils scored uh, the tying and then go ahead goal, but no, they still pushed back. We saw the bunting goal, we saw. The Matthew Snipe, as we mentioned before, that is resiliency at its finest. And those are the type of character wins that builds championship teams. And they need to take with that. They need to take that and run away with it. It's worth noting. That's what I was going to go for. 
Yeah, it's worth noting too that like their power play has been on fire lately, and Matthews mm-hmm. being a key part of that, Tavares obviously being a key part of that, and knowing that he was out and that O'Reilly was out against New Jersey, and for them to put up such a great game against a team that is has has had an incredible year, yeah, um, and then to go against uh, a strong Edmonton team as well um, last night and and put up the effort they did and score seven goals. I mean, that's the offense that we've been looking for all season long. And now you're getting that. And they did fall behind 3-1 and jumped mm-hmm. right back in, out and and really, you know, put their best foot forward. Um, and I How think about that's that goal for Mitch Marner to oh. kick everything off. Like just like absolutely rips it off from McLeod and in front of the net. You, that's the one thing you don't want to do with Mitch Marner in, in the middle of the ice. And then he just absolutely put Skinner on a poster right there and just with the dangles in front. That was absolutely like, do you think that that's the goal of the year? It's got, it's got to be pretty close. I mean, it's got to be pretty close. It's, uh, it's got to be a finalist at least. Yeah. 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 Like, I just mean, absolutely it's... fantastic. And then the second goal again, his act again, taking the puck away, getting in there. That like, if Mitch Marner doesn't do, do those two key plays, you're still talking about a 3-1 lead and losing a little bit more momentum. The key though is going to be having that Mitch Marner heading into the playoffs, right? That's the guy that you yes. that's the guy that you signed, that's the guy that you brought in, that's the guy that you want. He's the type of guy that you need to have going into the playoffs that can make those plays. And yeah, there's not many out there in the league that can make that play, that can mm-hmm. that can grab the puck out of out of thin air and in so tight get around a, a, a and a relatively big goalie in Skinner as well, right? Like he's he's got a good stretch when he's when he yeah. stretches out those pads. But yeah, um, vintage vintage uh, Mitchie, and uh, that's exactly what the Leafs need. So I think he's he's definitely a catalyst for this offense. And if he's going, if Matthews is going, you get O'Reilly back. There's nothing that this team can't do, um, and they could they could seriously go on a run. And I'm not I'm not getting overly excited. We're not being um, homers here. We're not being homers. This is not about, you know, the Leafs are going on a cup run. Let's start the parade. It's not that at all. It's the Leafs have the ability to get past the first round. Mm-hmm. That needs to be the discussion right now. Forget the rest of the playoffs. The discussion needs to be the Leafs can get four wins against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And it's very doable. Very, mm-hmm. very doable. And I very. think part of that comes with the new acquisitions that they've got this season as well. Um, Nola Chari, uh, obviously two goals last night as well. Um, he's, he's had, he's played a huge role in, in, you know, not only creating a little bit more offense for that fourth line, but also creating a little. little bit. For me, he's been kind of the standout that has come in so far, but I want to get your take on which new acquisition has kind of been the standout for the Maple Leafs thus far. Yeah. As much as you want to say, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, despite it, uh, the injury, Sam Lafferty, whatever. I, I, it's got to be Achari and McKay because they bring that level of tuss, toughness, that grit, that intensity. I mean, obviously, everybody is like we, we all know the story about Achari and how he has pregame cookies with his with his little one with the Oreos, and then post game, everybody's like, give him all the cookies or whatever. I've even posted a gif of SpongeBob with a glass of milk and cookies because why not? It, 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 that that's the thing right now. We all love it, but that's the reason why they got him. That's the reason why you need to have those depth pieces in the playoffs because those are going to be very crucial and critical pieces. 
I, I still remember when Achari was with the Bruins and he would score key goals when the top six is still dominating and he comes out and he's scoring a critical goal against the Maple Leafs in the playoffs. I loved slash hated Achari at that time because I loved him as a player. I hated that he was on the Bruins. Now that he's on the Leafs, that he's the type of player that they need. And I'm almost guaranteed, and I tweeted this out last night, if there is a situation where you need your depth to step up, Achari can be that player to score like the way Nick Paul did last year or even cement a series win to push you to the next round because he brings everything to the table and that's why they got him. He's a gamer. He's a guy that's going to be in your face, heavy on the forecheck and creating that zone time. And uh, I, I absolutely love that acquisition. And even so I'm just going to do an honorable mention for Jake McKay, because I think there was like two or three times where they were hacking away at uh, Murray's pad glove, whatever. And you see McCabe getting in there and drop the gloves. And I think the first time was against Evander Kane. And he just absolutely went after him and just gave zero, zero, zero Fs whatsoever. And there's me censoring myself. Um, He didn't care who it was. You're going after him. Don't touch our goalie. And that's the mentality that you need on this team, especially come the playoffs where they're going to be hacking and slashing away in front of the net. You need guys to clear them out. And McCabe, Achari, Lafferty, all those guys are going to do exactly that. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm super stoked to see what uh, what McKay brings play, come playoff time. Like, yeah. um, he's already like even last night's game reminded me so much of like playoff hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think McCabe's just a just a great ad. I, I I love what he brings. He brings a toughness. Um, he's he knows he's not there for his offense, and uh, although you know, he can't chip in. He can chip in, but to get in there and grind it like that with uh, with guys like Evander Kane, I mean, you know, as say what you will about Evander Kane, he's not a tough customer, or he's not a he's not a he's not an easy customer, that's for mm-hmm. sure. So, um, yeah, I, I I love I love the additions. I love I love what we're seeing. We've had a little bit more sample size. I think Achari, like I said, is bring he's brought so much to that fourth line, um, and then uh, obviously O'Reilly. Like once he's back and healthy. I mean, he 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 does everything. He does all the intangibles, and that's that's the kind of guy that they've needed and they want, and the leadership that he brings as well. On top of everything else, this this team needed that. I think I think we talked about it a few episodes ago. We had a comment um, saying that the Leafs need that guy who's going to be on the bench and kind of you know mm-hmm. giving them a little bit of hell to try and get the push them a little bit over the edge, right? And I think you've got that in guys like Jake McCabe. You've got that in guys like Nolachari. You've got that in guys like Ryan O'Reilly now. So very excited to see what they can bring down the stretch. Um, And I think it's going to be a fun, I think it's going to be a fun first round. It's going to be a fun first round. And obviously McCabe hasn't been in this situation before because he, this is going to be the first time he sees the playoffs, but O'Reilly and Achari have, they know how to motivate the guys. They know how to get the best out of them. They know exactly what to say because they've been in here. They have the cup rings to prove it. So you know what? Just just let just let them have it. Let let them do their talking. Let them let them motivate them because that's going to be huge. I, I I don't think Achari has a cup ring. Sorry, let me just correct myself there. More so O'Reilly, but Achari has is a veteran playoff performer. But like you do not agree that with that McCabe's going to be itching to just get, get the job done properly. Oh in the yeah. First round, right? Absolutely. Like, here's a guy who hasn't seen the playoffs. Um, and 
and obviously a veteran guy wants to get a taste of what he can or go as far as he can go. Like he's going to be, mm-hmm. he's going to be throwing his body into everything, pucks, people, um, whatever he can do to, to change the outcome of the game. He's going to be that guy. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So anyways, speaking of the first round, Tampa Bay is kind of, kind of looking a little bit weaker in the last couple of days uh, or last couple of weeks, I should say uh, twice. Now I believe Cooper sat his first line uh, due to lack of production and goals against. Um, and, and the Leafs, like we've mentioned, seem to be stepping it up with guys like O'Reilly and Tavares out of the lineup. Are we talking, I mean, the Leafs came very close last season to, to getting past that first round and it came down to, I mean, Say what you want. It came down to a pick call on Justin Hall. Like it I did. don't care. It I did. don't care what anybody says. It came yeah. down to a stupid pick call on Justin Hall. And we've seen those same picks happen this year, and they allow a goal. Yeah. So I say what you will, but it, they were right there. They were they were very much possibly getting past the first round last last season. The Leafs had gone out and re-equipped their team to to make that extra push. Um. Your thoughts? I mean, obviously Tanner Janot is a guy that went to Tampa Bay as well, so they've they've also kind of re-upped their their toughness for this first round match against the Leafs. But it's pretty much written in stone at this point: Leafs, Tampa Bay, first round. What are you thinking going into this uh, this first round matchup? That there, this is like we thought that you know it was going to be in tough last year. I think the Maple Leafs are the better team this time around. They have obviously both teams are evenly matched. Let's not kid ourselves, but the way that the Maple Leafs have added to their bottom six mostly. And I think that's going to be huge for them because we saw how much the bottom six, particularly the third and fourth line, third line went cold with, you know, secondary scoring and the fourth line just got outworked constantly. They were absolutely slow within their own end and getting the puck out and everything like that. You got, a little bit more speed, a little bit more energy throughout your bottom six, and that's going to be very key. Plus, you have hitters or players on our team that can hit and can hold their own against the likes of Pat Maroon, Pierre Belmar, uh, Tanner Janot, Corey Perry. You have those players right now. And even so, with that, I think that depth is going to provide to be a little bit more impactful than it was last last season. Obviously, the physicality is huge. And like we talked about, the, the, the scoring overall, it's well-balanced right now. You have Mitch Marner being a very durable two-way threat on power play, five-on-five, five, PK, what have you. He's always – if he gets a breakaway, he's – He's scoring a goal right there because we've seen him time and time again make those moves as we saw in Vitek uh, Banachek against the Devils. We've seen William Nylander take a bit of pressure off Austin Matthews with the goal scoring right here. He's leading the team in goals. Matthews still 30. 40 goal season is going to be a down year for him. Are we actually going to complain about that? Hell no. And the fact that you have that balance throughout the lineup, you've added more depth and, you know, speed and energy to your bottom mm-hmm. six, plus the physicality. And we still, we've, we still, we've, we've only seen games with Luke Shen in the fold. Wait until he comes back because he's just going to be leveling guys, being that defensive presence and kind of like McCabe and Lafferty, just clearing everything up within their own zone or in front of the net as well. So this team is ready. Obviously the big question is, can you solve Vasilevsky in, you know, the final game? Cause I think they can, 
what we what we saw in the last week right now proves that the Tampa Bay Lightning are what was it in uh, Rocky Four where you know the coach is telling Rocky, you know, you made him bleed. He's not a machine. He's human. Tampa Bay Lightning aren't a machine. They are human. They have their rough stretches and their downfalls as well. And not only that, like obviously concerning news, considering that Steven Stamkos left the game with a leg injury against the Chicago Blackhawks. And that's going to be very key to figure out if he's going to be out long-term, if it's another serious injury, because we know about his leg uh, injuries before. If he's gone, that's a major issue right there for them. Plus, the Maple Leafs have solved Vasilevsky in the past. And in that series, six of the seven games, they had three-plus goals on him. They can get pucks by him. And with this balanced offense, with the speed, I, I think they have what it takes that if it does go to game seven and we know how great he's been in game seven, they have the means to push forward. Don't let it go to game seven. Don't That's let it. The, absolutely. Don't let it go to game Fair seven. Enough. Fair enough. No, no yeah. winner take all game. I want to see the Leafs get it done in five or six. Yes. Um, Vasilevsky's played a ton of hockey over the last, you know, three, four years. Um, as you mentioned, Tampa's not healthy. Uh, the Leafs obviously are are trying to get to that point, and hopefully, it continue they continue to progress to that point. But a leg injury to to Stamkos this late in the season, obviously, that's something you want to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, I think right now the the depth scoring on the Leafs has been better than than the depth scoring we've seen from Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay their top two lines are kind of running running the show, um, which, which there's nothing wrong with that. I just think that. At this point in time, the Leafs, I mean, you haven't heard much of Nick Paul this year. And that's yeah. that's a guy that was a Leaf killer in that in that series, especially game seven. Um, Brandon Hagel's been hit and miss. So there there are pieces that maybe the Leafs can capitalize on. And I think that's where your third and fourth line come into play. Yeah. And and guys like Nolachari, guys like Zach Aston Reese, guys like David Kampf, who who who's having another phenomenal year with with Toronto. Some rough stretches, um, but he's been a little bit more consistent as of late. Yeah, exactly. And and I I think that's what the Leafs have to look at is they have to go in with the mentality that we can get this done. We were right there last season. We were right there. Um, it, it's going to come down to that one play that's going to change the outcome of the game. And I think that's where the Leafs need to capitalize. They need to grind. They need to play hard. You've got a guy like Austin Matthews who's playing a more physical game than he's ever played in his entire NHL career, in his entire hockey career for that matter. Um, and you have a guy in William Nylander who who has excelled this year offensively, just excelled, and nobody can take anything away from him. Um, if they're going to have the people that say, "Oh, he doesn't hit," they can fuck right off. <laughs> I mean, that's not that's not his game. That's not his game. Although, you don't want you don't want him to steer away from his game because then you're yeah. taking away from what you're getting in the offense, and that's exactly what Austin Matthews was. Austin Matthews was forced to steer away from his game and play more physical aspect in his game this year. And now he's not scoring 60 and people are criticizing his game. And that's, that's what's mind blowing to me is you've got a guy who's should be in the Selkie conversation should be without a doubt, should probably win the Selkie trophy this year um, with his 200 foot game and his, and his defensive plays that he's made. And he still put up 30 goals and he's still going to be a 70 point player, eight, maybe even 75 point player in you know, under 80 games because of his injuries. And you've still got people out there criticizing this guy. It's no wonder that Andy Strickland's coming out and saying, yeah, he's going to bolt for the West coast when, when his contract's up, 
Like <laughs> this is no. the guy who said, I don't want to talk contract at all throughout the year. And we've still got contract. people. We've still got people like Andy Strickland coming out and saying, yeah, he's going to go to LA or New yeah. York or what have you. Um, so yeah, you're right. There's always going to be people that are going to criticize people's games. Uh, Nylander, especially. Um, but like I said, <laughs> You can fuck right off because that's not his game. It's not his game, and you don't want to steer him away from that. So, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what the Leafs can do in the first round. Um, you know, I, I I think they've got a, a very good chance. And again, I'm not. This is not just homerism. This is me just looking at the team on paper and saying they've bettered themselves from where they were last year with the additions they've made, and they very well should have got past Tampa Bay last season. Yeah, should have. And I don't think there's many people out there that can disagree. Nope. Right? So I, I think that's where we're at right now heading into the first round. Obviously, we'll talk more playoffs as we move forward uh, towards it. Um, but for now, I think it's time we close out the episode with a little officiating talk. It's been it's been a few episodes since we've talked about the officiating. Um, and we'll tie in Evander Keane's comments about Michael Bunting here, saying Michael Bunting just flops and, and, and dives and... Um, you know, we're trying to get that out of the game. Meanwhile, and if you haven't seen it, check out uh, Tic Tac Tomar. Uh, always uh, does some great uh, games. clips of of the games on Twitter. But he uh, he had a clip of of John Tavares taking three cross checks uh, in the back in front of the the uh, Edmonton net last night from DeHarnay, and then uh, taking a little jab in the back of the ankle, which could have been more dangerous than it looked because of the way that Tavares would have gone back um, and fallen on his back. Following that incident, Tavares hacked DeHarnay's arm and DeHarnay skated off shaking his arm and doing and this the, the classic sell job, right? Yeah. The classic sell job on the retaliatory, uh, the retaliatory penalty. Now, with that in mind, if you're Kane and you look at that and you look at the play where you were actually legitimately holding and interfering with Michael Bunting. Bunting. And he's trying to skate away. Obviously, he's going to, you know stumble along the way because yep. you're holding them back. I'm all for being a vocal player and sharing your thoughts. But at what point do you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, Hey, my team is doing the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. The officiating is doing a poor job of calling the game with respect to the primary infraction that would save us from all the bullshit that happens afterwards. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's absolutely. I mean, officiating is garbage. Like it absolutely is. Um, I I wish someone could put it together a compilation of all the games, not just Leaf games, every game in the league this season of poorly officiated games, and send them to Gary Bettman. And if he actually says our officials are doing a great job one more time, that is complete bullshit. Because get, he, get rid of them. <laughs> yeah. Either obviously the officials don't know the rules we've seen it time and time again they think they do but they just come up with stuff on the spot and if gary bettman agrees with them then clearly he doesn't know the own his his uh, league's own rules there should be something in a contract or you know what either call the game fair or lose your job kind of thing they're not going to do that but either send them to school or let them like take a test to know what an infraction is or like what to do in certain situations because what we're seeing right now is a joke it's going to get out of hand it's going to continue to get out of hand and it's going to lead into the playoffs but in regards to Kane's comments about him flopping all over the place, okay, you can you could say what you want about Michael Bunting, about him, you know, 
just being an absolute pest to go up against. We've seen that time and time again. That's his game. You could you could complain about him, complain to the refs how there should have been a penalty call when you know clearly he gets high sticked in the face and there's nothing. He clearly gets tripped and there's nothing because he was he did lead the penalty or he was among the league leaders and drawn penalties previously before. The fact if you want to complain about him, complain to the refs. Fine because he has done that a lot and he I think he just needs to play his game. But if you're going to call him you know a flop or whatever when you're literally hanging on to him, grabbing his arm, grabbing his stick, and he's having trouble to try and get away. What does that tell you? He wants something to do with you. He wants to get into the play. And if he's flopping because you're the reason a result of said flop, sorry, nope, wrong answer. Try again, Evander, because that is exactly not the case with, in regards to bunting. Bunting tries to be like, like he, he does get very vocal, but he is not a flopper. Here's what I'll say about that. Even if he does flop and and even if he does throw himself a little bit like, uh, you know, like a fish on ice. um, If the original infraction was always called and I'm obviously open to some human error, like we Mm -hmm. know without (laughs) we know with with referees that we're going to have human error. If the original infraction was always called, you would not have people trying to sell it. You would not have, you know, the high sticks where somebody throws their head up and throws their stick and gloves and acts like somebody from the top level of the mm-hmm. of the arena just sniped them from, from you know, three hundred yards away. You wouldn't be getting these makeup calls. So it comes back. It it's, it comes full circle to the officiating. Yeah, you want to get flopping out of the game? Make the original call. Hey, five years ago we talked about how much we were going to call diving. How many diving calls have you seen in the last three seasons? Very few. Not many, right? Yeah. Um, we talked about stick and Or even embellishment. Embellishment. Embellishment, yeah. Four years ago. Four years ago, we talked about stick infractions. We we I think it was six years ago we brought in obstruction hooking, obstruction tripping. How much of that have you seen in the last four or five seasons? Invisible. None. So when you want, you can talk all you want about the state of the game and and the flopping and the this and that and 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 I can talk all I want about Day Harnay shaking his arm and, and doing the sell job as he skated away after three cross checks to the back of of John Tavares. That slash would not have happened had the original cross check been called. Yeah, we're talking about stick infractions. We're talking about the safety of players. We're talking about making sure that you're protecting your star players. And yet we have not done that as, as an entire game, you have not done that. And again, Mm -hmm. you, you, you said it, it's not just about the Leafs. It's about hockey in general. It has not happened. The refs continue to do whatever they need to do. And I'll take, I'll take a a page out of Fred Van Vliet's books and say, they are shit. They are Mm -hmm. shit. Start calling them by name. There's trying to Wes McCauley is a perfect example when he when he refs Leafs games. Yeah. He is absolute garbage and he does whatever he can to make the show about the officiating and causing more animosity within the game because things are not being called properly. Yeah. Until that changes, I'm sorry, Evander, but you're not getting flopping out of the game. It's yeah. it's 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 as simple as that. There's you can sit back and watch every game in the NHL every night, and you're gonna see people flopping, you're gonna see people embellishing every single game because they are looking for the call that should have been called in the first place. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't want I don't want them to go out there and steal the show and start calling like the smallest little tap on the shin pads. No, no, no. Like it's soccer. No. Yeah, let's not let's not make it about you know 30 penalties a game. I'm talking about when a guy's standing in front of the net and he's cross-checked once, okay, fine. When he's cross-checked twice, okay, now we're talking about the the, the issue. When we're talking when he when he's cross-checked for a third time and there's still no call, you have to draw the line there. That's when players start policing the game for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's when we talk about a violent game. So the choice is yours. You can speak out about embellishment and 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 diving, or you can be like Fred Van Vliet and start calling out the, the officiating because that is the, the problem. There's no there's no ifs, ands, or buts. That's the problem right now is the officiating. You make that original call, you're not even dealing with these these uh, these retaliatory moves. Teams, players, coaches should start doing what Fred did. I want to see more of that. Let them know that what they're doing is garbage, how they're, you know, managing the game is garbage. And if they need to call out a name, go ahead. Let them know that you're what you're doing right now, you're not doing a damn good job. Like it's unacceptable that the way things are going right now. And if the NHL has to find the player, coach, team, whatever, so be it. Let them find them. Who cares? The message is getting across now that the teams are getting sick and tired of what's going on right now at all levels. It's time now that the – like you said before, like we've all said, we should have a press conference post-game with the official saying that, why did you make this call? We should we we should get an answer because everything that's going on in a game right now, there's at least five or six calls where it's just like, well, why are you doing that? Why are you making that at this point? Accountability. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Accountability is a beautiful thing, and and the reason why players and um, coaches and GMs and what have you are fined for speaking out about, against the the NHL's officiating is because it's Gary Bettman wanting to control the narrative, and it's simple as that. He wants to control the narrative. This Time is his. This is up. his league. This is his league. Nobody else can tell him what to do. Time so, to stand up. With that, um, anything you wanted to add before we close it out for the uh, the episode? No, other than that, uh, you know, obviously it's going to be a busy home stand for the Maple Leafs right now. Like they're already two and zero in their last few games. They already started off uh, the home stand with a big win against the Oilers. They got their revenge. So just keep just keep at it. I mean. I, what can you say at this point right now? They've got uh, everyone's firing on all cylinders right now. Everybody's playing well. Time to still produce. And then obviously you want to save up your energy for the playoffs. We'll get, like you said, we'll be talking about that later on. But going hot, play your best. That's the best thing you could do right now. Before we get out of here, I want to ask you, I put this on my personal Twitter, most chill worthy moment in sports movie history. Ooh. What do you define as chill-worthy? When Rudy came running onto the field for Notre Dame and made that final tackle in the game and got lifted onto the shoulders of his teammates, to me, that was probably the most chill-worthy moment. I am going to go back to my favorite movie of all time or favorite sports movie of all time, and that is Remember the Titans. Final game, uh, especially with, uh, you know, 
I think it was Gary Bertier. That's the name. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I got to go back and watch it again. Um, after his car accident, his injury, the emotion from the team, they come out and they win. I, Show right there. Somehow, somehow, I actually knew you were going to remember the Titans. I don't know why, but I knew you were going there. <laughs> it, it, great, great cult classic for sure. It is. Absolutely. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. And you want to talk about political, uh, socio political uh, issues? There's a good one for you. There anyways. you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with that, Peter, uh, we'll close it out uh, for episode 117. As always, you can subscribe below on our YouTube channel. I also want to give a shout out to the Variety Sports Network, which continues to support mm-hmm. this fantastic show and hopefully an award-winning show. As I mentioned, jump on the Sports Podcast Group uh, Yearly Awards, sign up, log on, cast your one vote and cast it for Sticks in the Six in the hockey category. Um, we're very excited. And, and even just to be a nominee with some of those other uh, uh, podcasts is great for us. Yes. If you don't want to do that, you can always follow myself on Twitter at Andrew G Forbes. You can follow Peter at P Barrichini, or you can follow Alex at a Hobson media. You can also follow the show down at the bottom there at sticks in the six pod. That's S T I X I N T H E six I X P O D. Follow us on TikTok, uh, Instagram, you name it. We're on it. Facebook page. We've got that as well. Um, or check us out on all the streaming platforms as well. iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're there on all of those as well. That should be up tomorrow. Um, until next week, episode 118, that is it for us here at Sticks in the Six.